want to read verse 3 of what, we, what that last verse we just sang as we turn our attention to God's wisdom and specifically our trust, our trusting in God and in his wisdom. Verse 3 of that song says, Only be still and wait his leisure in cheerful hope with heart content to take whate'er thy father's pleasure and all discerning love hath sent nor doubt our inmost wants are known to him who chose us for his own. That verse shows that as we trust in God, what we are trusting is that God knows what is best for us. It's that discerning love. In fact, everything we receive comes to us from his loving design and pleasure as we trust in him that all things are working out for that good. And that's then in the God we trust. So let's keep that in our minds as we turn to God's word you would turn with me to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Last Sunday evening, we began a one of three-part little, I'm going to call it a little mini-series on chapters 3, verses 1 to 12. We looked at the first four verses. Today, we look at verses 5 and 6, particularly the command to, or the call of wisdom to trust. Before we read the first 12 verses of Proverbs 3, let's ask for God's blessing. Father in heaven, as we turn to your word, we pray you would give us wisdom. It is fitting that we would ask for this as your your written word testifies. This book is given to us specifically that we would gain in our understanding of you, our application of your law and your word, that we would be even blessed through following you appropriately, all for the purpose that we would truly fear your name, place our faith in you, that you would be glorified. We pray that that is exactly what would happen this morning. As we think of our responsibility and the way of wisdom that says trust in the Lord, we pray you would reveal it anew to our hearts, that we would grow to trust you all the more. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Proverbs 3, we'll read the first 12 verses again and focus on verses 5 and 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Once again, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. People of God, one pastor tells the story about a time when his father crossed the, and I'll try to get this name right, Susquehanna River. I don't know that I got that right, but anyways, who's trying to cross this frozen river. 
It was a winter's day. It was cold. His dad didn't know the area. His dad wasn't from this area and had no concept of how thick the ice was. And not being well adapted to the the thickness of ice and the cold, he didn't know if he could cross it. And he started trying to cross the river, but he thought to be safe, he would cross on his hands and knees. On all fours, he started crawling across the river trying to reach the other side. This seemed the the safest path, not knowing the thickness of the ice and if it could support him. Well, as he was crawling, he heard a racket and a clatter coming up behind him. He looked back, and there came a wagon pulled by four horses, and the driver was whipping them along at a pretty good pace right across the frozen river. That guy was a local. He knew how thick the ice was. And this pastor uses this illustration to make a point. He says, too many Christians are like the man down on all fours, creeping along, way too cautious. Their trust in the Lord is half-hearted. Then along comes a wholehearted Christian, and he changes the tone for everyone around him. I think we can relate well with this illustration and a true story. Many of us at times, and we all fall into this at times, are crawling across ice that can support us. We don't fully place our trust in what we should. And then along does come someone that shows us there can be trust in these difficulties and situations. But too often we do. Too often we feel like the one crawling on all fours, like the one who doesn't have true faith or trust that is unable to do that. And so what we want to hear today is a call, an exhortation, an encouragement to grow. Some of us might find this message a bit more difficult, as we may be in difficult times. And what we shouldn't hear simply is this call to try harder and do better. That's not what this is in and of itself. This is to be taken exactly as Proverbs presents it. The father speaking to his children, hear my instruction. That's what God is telling us, his people. Hear my children, my instruction. Listen to what I say. And here we see the way of wisdom is to trust with all our heart. And in that, we all have the capacity to be prodded, to grow. That's what wisdom literature does. There shouldn't be a single one of us who sits there and think, well, I don't need any more of that. No, we all hear it and think, yes, I need to grow. I need to trust more. I need to to devote my whole heart to that trust in the Lord. And so we all should, in that way, feel a tension, feel a pressure to grow in our faith. But don't be beat down by hearing this. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that you're not done and that God's not done with you. And if you feel like that man crawling across the ice when you should be striding, this is the message for you. This is the message for us to hear the call to grow. Turn to our Lord and how we are to do that, how we Trust in the Lord. And we look at that today under this theme, wholehearted trust in Christ that leads to straight paths. That's really just a rewording of the two verses we look at today, a wholehearted trust in Christ that leads to straight paths. First, we see the wholehearted trust, and this text calls and presses us to grow and to grow and to grow. Again, that's what wisdom literature is given for us to do. We should regularly read Proverbs. We should regularly see how God wants us to live. What's the path? What's the direction of life? 
Last Sunday evening, we looked and saw that the way of wisdom is to understand God. It's to understand his law and his word. It's to understand and apply. That's the the first step in wisdom. And we also saw that you can't have that without faith in Christ. You can't have that without the fear of the Lord. As Proverbs 1, 7 will say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, the beginning of wisdom. And as we understand that is the the foundation, the the groundwork, now we turn to what's the way of wisdom but trust, wholehearted trust. And I don't know that we would connect that in our minds. Wisdom, again, we we sort of think of wisdom as a knowledge, a head knowledge. It's it's to be understood, to be applied. But the way of wisdom is really trust. That's so important to wisdom. And in fact, you can't be wise without a wholehearted trust in the Lord. The two don't work or go together. And so we see part and parcel to wisdom is the call to trust wholeheartedly. And in this, we seek to grow. We seek to understand. I think this story that as we begin connects well with us. Sometimes we live out our faith and put that on display. Sometimes we do show true trust in the Lord, and yet we have the capacity to grow. We are trying to understand how to do that in a better way. Trust in the Lord has capacities and abilities far beyond what we actually use it. Applications far beyond what we usually try to apply trust to. In other words, trusting the Lord isn't just for judgment day, It's also for budget day, tax day, finals day, interview day, paying bills day, doctor visit day, and ordinary Monday. Would you like that turn of phrase? We trust God all the time. Always. Every day. You see, what I'm trying to say is, sometimes we just relegate trust to the salvation issue. You see, we apply trust and know on Judgment Day, yes, I'm safe. I'm saved. But what happens when the bill comes? What happens when the doctor visit doesn't go the way you want? What happens when you're studying for finals and scared? Does our trust in the Lord apply to that as well? The answer is absolutely. Because we are the Lord's, Because he loves us and because we fear him, that means we can trust him in all our moments, in all our situations, whatever it is. We then are called to trust. And not all of us are good at this. In fact, I would say we all, and we put all of ourselves in this, we struggle to trust. It's difficult. And if you think you don't struggle to trust, you just have to wait for God to press you in an area where you don't show that much trust. That's harder for you to do. And you see how quickly you crumble, how quickly you say that it's about me, it's about what I want to do, it's about my plans, it's not about God's plans. I don't like the way God leads. That's the way we fall. We should see that we are called to have that wholehearted trust in Christ. There are maturity levels in the faith. The reason it's healthy to acknowledge this is to see, are we mature in the faith? There are those who have more faith, have more trust than we do. Now, I don't say that so that we feel inferior, we run ourselves down. It's never healthy to compare yourself to others in such a way that you either feel superior or inferior. That's still just pride. 
but it is helpful to look at those who perhaps show a greater level of trust, of maturity and strength in areas where we are weak and that way seek to grow, seek to become a more mature Christian. We should never be content with where we are in our faith. We should be able to apply our faith into all situations. Now each of us go through times of crawling and times of soaring. And the point isn't for us either to look around at each other and say, well, that person struggles there, this person's the weak one. It's to look at ourselves as we see that Proverbs does. And so we look at our text, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord is that full expression of your reason. What does that mean? Full expression of your reason. How do you trust God in all of your reasoning? Reasoning is thinking, contemplation, how you make decisions, how you come to conclusions. We are to trust God there. Where all of our thoughts, all of our worries, all the things that might zap or take away our faith are understood in the sense that the Lord is here and how do I trust Him? What this means, people of God, is that you shouldn't be reasoning and working through the issues of life without trust. That that is always in your thought, your thoughts. How you make a decision. It's there, it's in your reason, it's in the full expression of your capacities, it's in your will. What is trust? What's the definition of trust? It's a term that we use often and sort of know, but it's helpful to read a definition. What does trust mean? Well, trust is firm belief and the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So how do you trust? Well, let's first just take that definition again, firm belief. So it's not just belief. True trust is a firm belief, meaning you don't waver in it. You aren't shaking where, okay, I trust today, but I, I don't trust tomorrow, or, or I'm trusting now, but that's going to that's gonna fall apart. It's a firm belief in the reliability of, Reliability, that's, that's, we, we trust it to hold us. It's that favorite chair that you're going to sit in. It's reliable. It's that car that just keeps on driving. It just keeps going and it doesn't seem no matter how many miles I put on it. It's this reliable thing that gets at what we're talking about here. The Lord is reliable. We've trusted in Him so often and we continue to do so. We see He is reliable. The problem is sometimes we forget that. And suddenly pressed where we don't want to be pressed, we forget the reliability of our God and thus lose trust. We forget that he's been reliable in any and every situation. All of the past situations, he's proven himself reliable. But you see, the future, that's in doubt in our minds. It hasn't happened. We might know God's been faithful for all this in the past. But what about that? What about this new difficulty? Can I place wholehearted trust there? Is God reliable? See, the way of wisdom, if you want to be a, a wise man, a wise woman, is to understand, yes, He is. To trust and rely on Him. You don't have a backup plan, in other words. You know that He has the right plan, and you know He's leading you on it, and so you trust. It's also trusting in the ability and strength of another. Is God able? Is he, is he strong enough? Is he powerful enough? You see, here's the disconnect. We know it in our minds. 
but often are very poor at applying it to our situations. We can know, yeah, God's all-powerful. He's all, he's all strong, all reliable, but, but yeah, but I just got this diagnosis. Is God strong in that? That's the difficulty, and, and this isn't to pound you and say, yeah, you're just too weak, do better. It's the way of Proverbs to say, you will gain in your understanding, you will gain in your wisdom as you seek to do this, as you seek to trust to contemplate on God. Often our trust is hampered by how we simply transition from a prayer back to our next need. You see, how do we trust in all circumstances and thus be biblically wise? It's got to be more than general statements and responses. Sometimes we try to fight our battles and we don't take the right tool out of our pockets. We aren't specific enough. Take financial worries as, a, as an example. You see, we could say, I don't know how we're going to make the next payments. I, you know, the economy, that's something that, that terrifies everyone right now. What's going to happen? Is there a recession coming? Is there a depression coming? What do we do? We can't just fight that with broad statements. You can't just fight that with broad statements. What do I mean by broad statements? This, Lord, be with me. Be with me in my fear. Lord, please be with me and protect me. Give us what we need. Amen. I don't, we, we don't have a problem with quick prayers. But you see, what we end up doing is we end up just sort of, just sort of like, okay, I'm trusting because I prayed that prayer. Well, well, how do you trust? How do you put that into practice? Go read verses that apply to financial worries, if that's the issue. Or if you're afraid of your health, you seek out God's word and you seek to understand what does God say about our bodies, his care, and where we're going and what he's going to do. You see, we seek to fight and grow in our trust, not simply by saying, I, 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 it's okay, I qualified, I covered trust in God because I prayed that I would trust. We use his word, we grow in our understanding and wisdom and we seek it out. We memorize those verses. We need to tell ourselves, okay, I'm afraid of my finances. I'm afraid of my health. I'm afraid of my kids' future. And then we say, well, what verse are you using? What are you memorizing to say every time that thought comes into your head? This is how we trust. This is how we trust the reliability of God. Don't make the mistake of being too general in your attacks against your own distrust. Why? Why do I still struggle? Why don't I have that trust? I pray all the time for it. Maybe you do. Maybe you are praying all the time that you would trust in the Lord more. That's a good prayer. Yet the way to success would be to turn to God's word to grow in your understanding. How can you trust a God that you don't truly know? How do you want to, to grow in your trust of that God? Know him more deeply. Contemplate his attributes. Contemplate who he is. Read about the situation that you're struggling with. Read about God himself. This is how we grow. This is how we grow in our faith. And this is how we grow from one crawling on all fours across the ice when we should be striding. When we should know that God does and will support us. That is how we trust. We need to stop and say, how will I trust God in this situation? This is, how you, this is how you don't lean on your own understanding. That's what the verse says. 
To trust in the Lord with all your heart, to lean not on your own understanding. Our understanding is flawed. And we will spend our whole life trying to replace our understanding of a situation with God's. And I don't even really need to explain that. We've all experienced situations where we realized our understanding did not come close to see God's plan and his purpose. And so we trust. We don't lean on our own understanding. When I did this message as a chapel at Providence, I read a story of the oak tree and reeds. It's something of a children's story, but it makes a good point. It makes a good point about not trusting yourself and how we are not reliable to trust on our own understanding. The oak tree and reeds is a story. It says, On the bank of a river, there stood a tall and strong oak tree close to some reeds. The oak tree was very proud of its strength and size. He often used to make fun of the weak and slender reeds standing next to him. One day, as winds started blowing, the oak tree, as usual, said mockingly, Oh, reeds, you move back and forth, even with the slightest breeze. The reeds kept quiet and continued to sway back and forth. The oak tree boasted, Look at me, I am so strong and mighty. Nothing can uproot me or bend me. But the wind got furious and turned into a hurricane. The little reeds prevented themselves from getting uprooted by bowing their heads and swaying with the rhythm of the wind. But the oak tree, which stood straight and tried fighting the hurricane wind, was soon uprooted and thrown into the river. And the reeds still stood. You see, here the point is, trusting in your own understanding, relying on that, is as shameful, as worthless as that oak tree's boast boasting in its own strength when the winds came and the winds were strong enough, it failed and it fell. But you know what doesn't? Those little reeds that just sway. There they are, just swaying around. No matter the, the strength of the winds, they just bend down and then they come back up. That's a Christian who doesn't lean on his own understanding that bows to the wills of God that trusts in him, that doesn't seek to understand what's going on, that doesn't need to know the answer. And that's, that's perhaps the biggest struggle. If we're going to truly grow in our trust, our wholehearted trust in Christ, we need to be content with not understanding. Not understanding why God is doing what he is. Not being given that answer. You know, we don't need to be self-confident to make the mistake of the oak tree either. We don't need to be proud and arrogant. You see, sometimes we often try to lean most on our understanding when we are so crippled and scared out of our minds. Sometimes that's being the oak tree just the same. And we can't even get out of bed when we are so scared. Because ultimately we still are making the same mistake. Though we may not be arrogant and proud of our own strength, when we see what God's bringing us through, we respond in absolute fear. And we don't trust. And thus we, we weigh ourselves as a greater understanding than God. As one who can't endure what God has called us to do. This questions God's very wisdom. Our accusation against God when we, when we say these things is that he must not be wise enough and understanding enough to know what I can and I can't endure. But he does. We're called to trust that. We don't manifest confident pride, but 
we can still struggle. And you might say this pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh to say this from God's Word. Shouldn't we be more caring and understanding? And yes, we need to be caring and understanding. But you remember, Jesus once rebuked the disciples when they were on the boat sinking and what they encountered as the worst storm of their life, thought they would die, and Jesus says, O you of little faith. But in this we can rejoice. Why can we rejoice in this? Because the disciples weren't done yet. If we're being honest, if I'm being honest with myself, I would have done exactly what the disciples did. I would have been in complete panic and fear. Oh Lord, save us. We're perishing. The boat's going to drown. And that is the quality of, of my faith. That's the quality of many of our faiths. We struggle. And yet what's so amazing is that these very disciples, the one who Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, were the ones who grew in their faith, who God worked in to the point where they were almost to a man, killed, died in exile, murdered for their faith. You see, we don't need to despair even when we sense the weakness of our faith because God is there to grow it, to give us strength. So in this, we should rejoice, but we have to understand this as well. Don't always make the mistake that a continued battle is a mark of your weakness. Jesus manifested the strongest faith of anyone and any, that anyone ever could, and this did not remove the internal battle. Rather, it showed how he trusted and endured and overcame through it. But don't make the mistake of thinking that your faith is weak because you still battle, because it's still difficult You are called to trust. And so that's wholehearted trust. And now we move to our second point, straight paths. Verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The straight path is the best path. These are contrasted with crooked paths that lead to to traps, lead to to fall-offs, lead to death and destruction. But a straight path is the one easy to follow. What a straight path is saying, and what this proverb is saying, is not that your path will be easy. A straight path does not mean you won't go through difficulty. It means you always know where to go. Your path is straight before you. That's what God's Word gives us. That's what God's wisdom gives us. Not not the absence of the trial, but to know this is how you walk through it. This is how you live your life in the fear of the Lord, trusting in Him And you know that you will endure and stand through it. It means that through God's word, he will reveal the right direction and destination. That's what a straight path is. We trust that God will guide. And how do we acknowledge God in all our ways, as this verse says? How do we see these straight paths? One resource I came across gave several applications. First, do you let the Bible overrule your own thinking? You let the Bible overrule your own thinking. After all, that's what verse 5 had said. Do not lean on your understanding. How do you let the Bible overrule your own thinking? You know what we do? I know that I shouldn't be doing X, Y, Z. I know that I shouldn't be afraid. I know I should trust that God will be with us financially, that God will be with us in our health, that God will be with us for whatever. It's just hard. I know I should, but it's it's just hard. Are we really overruling our thinking then? If we are saying by the it's just hard, 
that it's okay that we aren't doing it? That's not saying we can't be sympathetic or shouldn't be sympathetic. We should. And it is hard. Not to take that away. But if we're using that as an excuse to then say, so I'm going to still worry about it. So I'm still not going to trust. Well, we're not overruling our thinking with God's word. This is what the wise father of Proverbs says. My children, overrule your thinking with God's. And where you see that your thinking is in contrast and contradicts God's word, you overrule it. You bend your will to his. That's those reeds bending in the wind, trusting in the Lord. That's having that straight path. It may not be easy, but it is, it's right. So do we overrule our own thinking with God's word? Second, do you believe Jesus truly is essential? you believe Jesus truly is essential, that there's no way to peace with God without him? That if you're not seeking Jesus, you will not trust? Why is that? You, know, you must know your Savior to trust him. If Jesus is not essential, then you won't have a true trust for him because he's not all that there is. This is Lord's Day 1. What's your only comfort in life and death? That's the reason that word's there. He can be the only comfort. And if we seek our comfort anywhere else, we will not have it. Jesus is essential. We look to him exclusively. And third, when was the last time you took a risk to obey Christ? When was the last time you diminished your future socially or financially, professionally for his sake? When was the last time your life looked obviously different from the life of someone who does not trust Jesus at all? Now this is that area where I want to prod us and that I don't want to come off as harsh but as that prodding exhortation to grow. It is not acceptable for us to be crawling across the ice. It's not. It's not acceptable for us to have such a weak faith that we don't respond differently than the world. If we're responding with the same exact fears the same exact responses in every way. It's not acceptable. This is to goad us on. When was the last time we realized that our response because of who we are in Christ was different? We do have that. You know where we can have that most? When you go to a, an un- or non-Christian funeral. That's where it just smacks you in the face when you realize this is different. We have something different. We have Christ. We have trust. And when you go to a Christian funeral, there's not an absence of grief, nor should there be. That's appropriate. It's not the grief. It's the difference in hope and trust. That's the type of thing we need to see. Do we live differently? If we don't, we have a problem that we need to work on, and we shouldn't see that as a wrong or a bad thing. We should say, thank you, Lord, for showing me where I need to trust, where I need to work. As much as we might forget it, God's way is the better way, and his wisdom is the way to true life. It's wholehearted trust in Christ. It's not uncommon for us to think or to talk to someone, and they, they make very unwise decisions. And then their life plays out 
and it, it surprise, surprise, ends up to be a, a debacle. It ends up to be a disaster. And then these people say, I just, I just don't get what happened. I don't understand it. And you can say, well, there was a clear departure from God's word. There was a clear departure from his wisdom. There was no trust. You, you, there, was, there wasn't that, that putting into, into action your faith. And it's not uncommon at those times for people to say, I wish just God would have told me. And it's not uncommon for us to say this. I wish just God would have told me. I wish he would have been more clear. And then what we say is, I wish God's word would, would, would apply more to, to my situation. And we sometimes act like God and his wisdom only gave us a portion of the puzzle. That God didn't really give us enough to know. That God didn't give us enough to trust. In reality, he gave us everything he wanted to give. God's word is sufficient. It's sufficient for us to know how to live faithfully, how to see straight paths, how to walk in the fear of the Lord. God has given us an awful lot of information in his word that we are to follow. We should be thankful for how much he has indeed given us, and it is enough for us. We simply need to use it. I want to end this morning on a a final illustration. You see, every aspect of our life must be lived to God, and and life will play out as God has directed, but he's given us his code to follow. Now this might be a a reference that will resonate more with the the younger half of the congregation, but how many know cheat codes to games? If you're a gamer or have played video games of any kind, there's usually cheat codes. Cheat codes are something that what would be very difficult in the game becomes pretty easy. You are able to, whatever, level up your character, gain money, do whatever by entering in or doing these cheat codes, as they're called. Well, if I could speak in this way, God's word is to us cheat codes. Not because it's cheating or wrong to use them, but because it's the game's designer, it's life's designer, giving us the manual and say, do it this way. Now, I once played a game where where the character needed to cross a room, and the room was, every tile was the same. But if you, if you stepped onto the wrong tile, your character would fall through and go to the next floor, and you had to come back and do it again. Now, the design of the game was that you wouldn't know how to cross the room unless it was trial and error, and a lot of time spent realizing which was the right path. Well, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time doing that, so you go and you look up, where's the cheat code? And, and there's this manual there, and there's move your character up three spaces, left twice, up two more, right three times, down one, up. It's this random usage of characters and, and lines and commands. And so I did it, and there you go, up three times, left three times, doing this. And my character didn't fall through the, through, through the floor once. I wouldn't have known that. I would have had to have done the same thing and had constant failures, and the character would have fallen a long time until the path was clear. The point I'm trying to make is God's word and his wisdom is just like that. Follow these steps, and you will not fall through the floor. Follow these steps, and you will know what you are to do. And the most important step, the essential step, is the wholehearted trust in our Savior. We won't be wise without it. We won't know where to go without it. But when we do have it, it gives us the path. It doesn't relieve the burden. 
please hear me when I say that that doesn't relieve the burden it gives you the path the path needs to be walked and God will go with you on it and through it that's wholehearted trust that's what Christ himself did and that's who we look to in our burdens wholehearted trust in Christ that leads to straight paths and in this we then are able to grow and to no longer crawl across the ice as we read in the beginning but stride and walk confidently in our Savior. Let's go to him in prayer. Father in heaven, we turn to you, having read your word, these verses that call us to have wholehearted trust, to abandon our own understandings, to trust you and to trust you fully, to realize that it will lead to the path, the straight path, the one we know we must follow, and we know that the true answer to wisdom is the path of Christ. We know that he is ultimately the one to follow, the one to imitate, the one to look to. And we pray that for each of us in our trials, the the areas that we find it very difficult to trust, even those areas where we may be just crawling when we should be striding as we all fall into these areas and times, we pray, help us to grow. May we combat our lack of faith and belief with your word, a deeper understanding of who you are, May we turn to you in it to a greater understanding that we may have a greater firm belief, a reliability, and a hope in you. Help us to be a church that would grow, that would look different from those who do not have this hope and this trust. We praise you for your great gospel that gives us this good news. We praise you for your Son that is the true incarnation of wisdom. Praise you for your Son, who is the one who guides, leads, and protects us through his Spirit. We ask this and praise your